89.9 The Light, you're in conversation with Clayton and joining us uh, by the wonders of Zoom. I love this. Uh, we're chatting to the States to BJ Fogg. He's a behaviour scientist at Stanford University. G'day, BJ. Hey, Clayton. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, well, it's so wonderful to have you with us. Uh, we've had our eye on some of the work that you've been doing for a long time. And so very, very excited uh, to have you on the program tonight as well. So thank you so much. We better start off. What is a behavior scientist for people to actually understand? What does that mean? Well, it can mean a lot of things. But what I am is somebody who studies how human behavior works so we can design for positive behavior change. Um, I, I'm not like uh, a therapist. I don't do clinical work. I do research of a variety of types, including true experiments like laboratory experiments or field experiments. Um, and I work with a lab team at Stanford. The students come from a variety of different majors and backgrounds, and that's good. And we, I run a lab at Stanford, have done that for 20 years. And then outside of Stanford, I also work with uh, companies, for example, I'll name names, Microsoft just called me and they want help with their new hires to create new habits and the people they're just hiring so that they'll learn better. So I live in both worlds. When we talk about habits, you know, your, your recent book is called Tiny Habits. Um, clearly, uh, habits are a, a big, important part of what behavior is about. Could you, you talk to us about um, the value and the importance of habits? We, you know, we talk with our kids about the bad habits and we try and put good <laughs> habits in, but, but it seems like they come in fads in our lives. Um, do you think that's uh, something that, that is the way we sort of look at habits generally? Yeah, habits is an ambiguous word. Um, like in Stephen Covey's book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, those aren't really what I would call habits. They're general guidelines. And when I talk about habits, it's a very specific behavior, like pouring a glass of water uh, that you'll drink later or calling your mom every day you drive home from surfing. So it's very specific. Um, but habits, whether they're the general guidelines like Stephen Covey's work or specific practices you do automatically, that's how I think about a habit, something you do quite automatically, they make up a huge part of our life and they determine to a huge extent how productive we are, uh, how financially stable we are, what our relationships look like, and ultimately how happy and fulfilled we are. Yeah. Uh, you talk about, um, as I read some of the, the work that you've done and some of the, the highlights as we, you know, we pull out some of the remarkable research that you've done, that um, the idea of uh, simply uh, habits coming from, say, willpower or, or generally behavior change just coming from willpower seems to be a way that we tend to talk to people. Hey, just try harder and you're going to get there. You're saying, yeah. hey, willpower might not be the best way to actually make those changes. Right. So stop thinking about that, everybody. <laughs> Don't believe there's a lot of myths out there and a lot of unhelpful information around how you change your behavior. And when it comes to habit formation, the best way does not involve willpower. It does not involve lots of discipline and doesn't even involve a lot of motivation. And that's really what my book, Tiny Habits, is about. Is there's this new way to create habits. It's really easy. You don't have to have a lot of willpower to do it. And it's a design process. It's a design process, not a willpower process. And so it doesn't mean you're going to be perfect, 
but it means that you design a habit into your life and if it works, you keep going. And if it doesn't, you redesign it. Just like you might decorate a room or design a garden. It's the same kind of, essentially the same kind of thinking. And it can be creative and it can be fun. Yeah. Um, I've been very motivated by a, an Australian guy who talks about design in the same way, Gary Birtwistle. And he, he talks about this concept of breaking things down uh, to actually yeah. get to it to some place. Uh, you break it down to very small parts and then just allow those to work. And um, when my mum passed away last year, but before that, when she was uh, struggling with cancer, we were talking about how she could feel purpose. And, and so we actually took things down to a really broken down level, what can you do right now that the small thing you can do and, and then that can start snowballing is, is that the sort of thing that we're talking about here that it's about breaking things down to smaller parts or, or is it slightly different? It's, it's, it's similar in that way, but there's more to it. It's an overall system where you take any aspiration that you want or within business, like with Microsoft, they have a bigger aspiration for their people they just hire. And in tiny habits, I give a system where you can, go step by step and create a solution for whatever behavior change that you want. So it's systematic. And part of it is to make it really simple and tiny uh, because that's a key. You can be consistent if it's really easy to do. It doesn't require lots of motivation. You can adjust if it's really easy to do and so on. And let me give an example of, because some people think, oh, these little things, if I just make these tiny changes, it's not going to have a big impact. And those people are wrong. That's how you get to the big things. Um, I'm living, actually, I'm closer to you than you might expect. I'm in Maui right now. And I've been here almost a year, which wasn't the intent. Usually we're here six months, but then COVID and et cetera. So we're here. And so every morning I go surfing uh, and then I come back to work. But on my way home, I call either my mom or my dad. Now they're both in the room, but I call one or the other. And it's just a simple thing. I just tell my phone to call my mom or call my dad and I get on, but it's so simple. But the impact of that over time is, I mean, I've done a lot of this with tiny habits, but not like call my parents every day until COVID. And it just enriches. It's like it weaves this fabric and this tapestry that is very hard to imagine before you begin. But as you get into it, it's like, oh my gosh, just the simple phone call once a day is just changing and enriching that relationship. Yeah. As we talk about this and, 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 you know, creating habits that then create the bigger change, um, you know, during COVID, I think this is one of those moments where people can go one of two ways. Perhaps it's this mm. moment for people to say, look, absolutely. I'm, I'm really working to try and get some new habits in or, I just can't handle it. This is, this is too much. There's too much going on. How on earth can I possibly try and actually develop something new? Um, what's your hints and tips, I suppose, to, to help us start actually, even in the midst of COVID when, you know, we don't have all of the same abilities here in Victoria at the moment, we're in a stage four lockdown, you know, we're not allowed out of our house for yeah. more than an hour and that's it. Um, how do we actually go about starting some of those changes? Yeah. So I'll break it down into three steps. I mean, there's a lot of things, but, on the fly, I mean, come up with three steps. <laughs> are we good with this? Um, yeah, certainly there are some people that are spiraling upwards and thriving and others that are diving and spiraling downwards. So really we're talking to people that are spiraling downwards or you just feel stuck. Um, 
first of all, just reset your expectations for this time and be nice to yourself. First and foremost, it's not the same landscape that it was a year ago and you shouldn't be making the same demands on yourself. So be kind, be nice to yourself, first of all. Forgive yourself, have compassion, that's point one. Point two is think, wow, what do you really want in your life? What new habits or what outcomes do you want to achieve? And focus on your wants, not shoulds, not shoulds, because shoulds get you into the discipline and willpower and guilt cycle. No, what do you want? Is it creativity? Do you want to learn a musical instrument? Do you want to strengthen the relationship with your daughter? And you can just jot down, wow, if I could have achieve anything, what would I want? Not should, but want and start there. And then I would just say next, get started. Um, there's a lot to the get started, but I said three points. So, <laughs> so don't, don't procrastinate, just get started. Um, and don't try to do it all at once. Just do the tiniest thing that will help you achieve what you wrote down that you want. That might be a really, maybe a tidy way to summarize some things yeah. here. My guest this evening is BJ Fogg. He's a behavior scientist at Stanford University and the author of the book, The Tiny Habits. We're going to be back, or Tiny Habits, uh, and we're going to be back with BJ in just a couple of minutes' time. I want to talk to him specifically about how do we get our sleep back into a good cycle in the midst of all of this. I'm pretty sure we're all, we're all out of cycle in some way, shape, or form. And he has a formula called B equals MAP, M-A-P. I want to ask him about that as well. That's on the way next here on 89.9 The Light. In conversation with Clayton. 89.9 The Light, you're in community conversation with Clayton this evening and the author of the book, Tiny Habits. He's a behavior scientist at Stanford University, BJ Fogg, joining us. It is wonderful to have you with us. Uh, thanks again for your time. And after a big day, BJ, as well. Um, let's talk um, on your website. You pull it up. We can have a look at it there. You've got this formula about behavior it's uh, mm-hmm. quite simple and i know that you've said it's this has come from you know decades of work really but you've sort of summarized yeah. it down to this can you help us understand what b equals map map actually means yes this is very exciting everybody the mystery of human behavior can be summarized in four letters Oh, and an equal sign. Ta-dum. I mean, it really is that simple. And when I first discovered this, I was like, no, it can't be this. It is. It goes like this. Behavior, and that includes habits. Behavior happens when three things come together at the same moment. There's motivation to do it. You have the ability to do it. And then there's a prompt. A prompt is anything that cues or reminds or triggers you to do it. So, for example, calling uh, my mom. Am I motivated? Yes. Do I have ability? Sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. Coming home from surfing, I do because I have time. But like right now, I can't call my mom because I'm talking mm-hmm. to Clayton and all y'all. That's a, an Americanism. Yep, that's all, all. That's good. And, um, and then prompt something that will say, call your mom now. So if I have motivation, ability, something that says call your mom now, whether it's me just remembering or my sister texting me or whatever, then the behavior happens. If you're missing any one of those elements, motivation, ability, or prompt, then it won't happen. And that I call the behavior model. It applies to all behaviors and all cultures, people of all ages. It's like this universal solve, and it really is just that. That's what it is. Mm. Uh, What I love about it is that 
I think so often we've heard over the years, people who have talked to us and said, it's all about motivation or it's all about ability or it's all about just focus on your behaviors. That the simplicity of putting that together, I think is right. And that, that P seems to be the thing that not many others have necessarily um, been pushing into and saying, it's actually the prompt that you need there. Uh, So often I've heard over the years, You've just got to find it in yourself. But actually, we, we do need to set ourselves up. It's back to your design understanding, isn't it, BJ, that we have to design ourselves. If we want that to happen, we've got to put the prompts in our way so that it actually helps and yeah. works for us. Well, one analogy that is not in the book, and I don't think I've ever talked about. So, Clayton, this is an exclusive. We're making news right here, right now. I like it. At least not in public. It's like fire. To build a fire, you need fuel, you need oxygen, and you need a spark. If you're missing any of those things, you don't have fire. So you can't just say, oh, it's all about motivation, which might be like oxygen. It's like, no, you have these other components. Everything has to be present in order for this thing, behavior to happen. And often you're you're exactly right. Often people overlook prompt um, because they think, oh, I'll just remember. I'll just remember to call my mom. And then that's a bad way. I mean, sometimes we do remember we can self prompt, but it's a bad design. Um, other times people use post-its and that's okay, but it's not great for habits because you'll have post-its everywhere. So in tiny habits, I teach different ways of designing prompts that are elegant and scalable and not annoying. I mean, we all know the annoyance of, uh, notifications on our phones and all those red dots and all that. And those are, prompts but they're in some ways poorly designed and so the key is yeah there are lots of ways to prompt a behavior but you want to do it especially for habits you want to do it in a way that fits in your life that does not annoy you so yes pick new habits you want make them really really easy and then design a prompt make sure there's something that says boom call your mom now or drink water now or eat a snack now or you know put your walking shoes on now yeah, excellent. Now, if someone's setting up a prompt for eat a snack, then th- there's something going wrong. Surely people don't need a prompt for that one. Uh, <laughs> as we go, just again, if you missed that, that was B equals MAP, uh, behavior uh, equals motivation, ability, and prompt as they come together. Um, let's talk a bit about sleep. Uh, this was um, one of the things that I think is is highly relevant for everybody during this this phase of COVID. I know that as I was chatting to my wife before I, I came on to chat to you today, BJ, she's like, yes, please ask him about it. She's struggling uh, with the, the being in COVID and, you know, sort of you feel trapped in your house. And so sleep just doesn't seem to be coming or we're out of habits and bad, bad patterns. How do we actually start getting this back to a, a good place? Yeah. Sleep is a real challenge. It's been one of my challenges. So you're asking on a topic that I've worked on for years. And fortunately, my sleep is much improved, not always perfect, but much improved. And I think for me, it's somewhat genetic. I mean, as I talk to my siblings, we don't get that really deep restful sleep. And my students are like, oh, I slept until noon. I'm like, dude, enjoy it. Oh my gosh, you think that's a weakness? And at my age of 57, I'm thinking you got a a gift that might slip from you. Sleep. There's a bunch of challenges for that, but one of them is getting yourself to go to bed, you know, not to stay up and read news and stress yourself out or stay up late and drink or what have you, but it's creating habits that will wind you down 
and guide you to get in bed and go to sleep in a way that's restful. I think one of the habits to break, oh, this is terrible. It's a, your immediate company. Don't watch TV news at night, people. <laughs> I am against that. I think I even said that on a TV news program, <laughs> which is bad. But because they just, you know, they get the most dramatic, alarming stuff and you're seeing these visuals. So, um, so work on the nighttime rituals that you have and figure out what works for you. It's so varied. It's just so varied. One thing that I started doing about two weeks ago is a melatonin supplement, which I had done years ago. And I thought, well, let me try this again. And eh, mixed results. When it comes to behavior change, try stuff, explore. Don't feel like, oh, because once I decided to do melatonin, I always have to do it. If it works for you, keep going. If it doesn't, stop. Um, it's really a design and discovery process, mm. the best way to create habits. Now, I, I'll give a few tips that I've used. And, but again, there are so many facets to this. One, um, certainly there is a point in my work day. So after I surf, I come home and work like crazy, even though I'm in Maui. People think I'm on vacation. No, I'm working. But um, there's a point uh, where... I'm done and my partner is cooking dinner. Well, actually we go swim in the ocean and I turn off my email and my computer and I do not look at email again. So it's just like hard stop, hard stop. I'm done until tomorrow morning. And that's really helpful. Um, next, my partner and I spend time together, whether it's watching kind of stupid TV or movies or playing a game or talking or whatever. So it's wind down. Uh, my phone, I can't be reached. Right. So I just set it up. You can't reach me after these hours and only if a family member calls repeatedly. So I, I'm not getting involved in stuff. I'm winding down. And then there's just a point, And I, I'm embarrassed to admit how early it is here in Maui. Last night we went to bed at 630. Wow. Crazy because it you know, gets dark and it's like, well, let's just go to bed because we're getting up at four and four thirty. Not that there's any virtue to that. That's just how we want to do it. I mean, if I could sleep until nine or 10, I would, but it's just figuring out the right cycle. In the middle of the night, there are times when I'm just restless and my, my brain goes a lot. And I feel like I need to get up to kind of reset. I have a habit, thanks to tiny habits, that after I want to get up, I lay back down for 15 seconds. So say I'm getting out of bed and I sit there and I'm like, no, lay back down for 15 seconds. And if you still want to get up, then get up. And guess what happens, Clayton? Most of the time I lay back down. It's like, oh, this feels so good. What was I thinking? Okay. So it's just one little, now notice I don't force myself. It's like, it's kind of, you trick yourself. 15 seconds, just lay back down, see how it goes. Then there's some mind things that I do. If I'm not really feeling like I'm asleep, I learned years ago, just to say, hey, it doesn't really matter if I'm actually in sleep state, as long as I'm relaxing, that helps calm me down. Um, and so those are just some specific tips that I've learned, but I think the overall takeaway is, yes, take sleep seriously and explore and find what works for you. Yeah. One thing you said as you, you talked through that too, which I, I think I, I heard, and I suppose I just want to clarify that I did, is that um, so often when we talk about behaviours or habits, um, we get really harsh on ourselves if we don't deliver on it, um, especially after the first time. And one of the big yeah. things we're talking to our kids about is, um, you know, fail 
uh, if you spell it out, is actually the first attempt in learning. Like you've learnt something, a way not to do something. That that's not not yeah. not a problem. Don't get down on yourselves. Um, am I hearing the same idea in in habits? Because I think we yeah. so often say, right, I'm going to go to sleep, and then it doesn't work, and then ah, well, I'm hopeless at this. I can't do it. Should we yeah. should we be softer on ourselves with our habits and just hey, that's a good one. Try something else. Yeah, absolutely. So what you're clearly hearing from me is you don't have to be perfect in change and nobody is. Um, and think of it, if you can, as an exploration, a discovery process and be playful rather than uptight. You, being uptight is not a great way to change. Being playful and flexible is and adjusting. So if something doesn't work out as you intended, certainly don't blame yourselves. Go, oh, I learned something. Let me just shift it up and try it this way. And let me shift it up and try it this way. So a lot like, and I'll go back to the design thing, a lot like, say, decorating a room or arranging a room. You try something and you're like, okay, how does this look? Oh, picture's out of place, chair's in the way. You, and you don't beat yourself up. You just move it and try another thing and try another thing. And that, um, yeah, when, when a habit doesn't work out like you intended, it's not a character flaw and it's not a lack of willpower on your part. Just look at it as a design challenge and you just have to try, you know, tweak it or try something new. And if ultimately you can't get it to work, just step back and say, wow, do I really want this habit or is this a should? Don't work on the shoulds, work on the things that you want and set the shoulds aside. Why are we setting the shoulds aside? Because you've said that a couple of times. So um, should seem like they're shoulds because we should. So why are you saying yeah. that? Because too many people think that's how they transform their life. Like, oh, I should be exercising an hour a day. And if you don't really want to do it, making that a habit is just not really going to happen for most people. I mean, it's just very, very hard. So if you focus on the shoulds, you are... Uh, setting yourself up to not succeed. Now, for many things that feel like shoulds, as you make progress in your life, that walking an hour a day will turn into something that you want to do. So it's not like you never will eat kale or never walk or never meditate or never uh, who knows what and thank you notes after every in the future party you go to after COVID. <laughs> it's just it's like a not right now. So focus on the things you're excited about right now and that you want to have in your life. And then there's one, you know, besides your shoulds adjusting and becoming wants, which happens, especially with health and nutrition, especially, especially um, as you practice creating habits, you develop skills of change. And those skills can then be applied to harder things later on in the process. So you can tackle things that are a little more like shoulds, but that's after you've practiced and developed the skills of change. My guest this evening is BJ Fogg. He is a behavior scientist at Stanford University and author of the book, Tiny Habits. We're going to be back next uh, talking about uh, some of the big, big, I'm talking the really big areas of life that BJ and his team at Stanford University have approached to try and help our world in when it comes to the various aspects of how can we add behavior to some of the big problems of the world. His take on that next here on 89.9 The Light. In conversation with Clayton. 
You're in community conversation here on 89.9 The Light. It's wonderful to have your company. G'day, Clayton Bielan with you. And my special guest this evening is BJ Fogg. He is a behavior scientist and works at Stanford University. We've taken up plenty of your time, BJ, so we're not going to take up too much more. But I did just want to give you an opportunity to uh, briefly, if you'd like, to talk about um, some of those work that you are doing in the Stanford lab. Um, you know, I've heard and read about the climate action one, the screen time one, the, and I know you're working on a vaccination project at the moment. So um, just before we go, um, I'm just wondering, did you want to speak into, I suppose, what, what you're hoping to achieve by some of those, or is it one of those or all of them you want to just have a quick chat about? Because I think probably there's many listeners who, who may not know about those, but would be excited to hear about them. Yeah, the context is this, the more personal, I'm going to get confessional here. Yes. Um, I feel like the behavior model, tiny habits, the other models and methods have been given to me as a gift that I am, you know, it's not just that, you know, I'm a smart guy or worked hard. It's like, this has been handed to me and I have a responsibility to share it and use it. I, I really, really feel that. And in the last chapter of the book, I talk about that. Um, and so being a researcher at Stanford, wow, what, what, what an opportunity. And so what we do in our lab is we look at the hardest problems that have to do with behavior. And I feel like it's our responsibility to do what we can to help address them. So current lab projects, we have three. One is about helping people reduce screen time. Now that started uh, about a year and a half ago. And in our last lab meeting, we said, uh, is this the exact right time to be studying this or the exact wrong time? And we went like, who has pro, who has a con? And we went through lab and just pro, con, pro, con, pro, con. And it is a weird time to be studying and helping people with screen time, because right? we're all on screens a lot. But I think the conclusion was, it's really about helping people find, do useful, productive screen time and not distressing and productive. Next. Uh, climate action training. So we're not experts in climate change or climate action. We're experts in behavior, but we want to train professionals who are working in climate change arenas in how to change behavior. So uh, we piloted twice uh, curriculum for that and we're developing it. And that will be a free program for people who are professionals because planet Earth, because. Yes, so important. And then the newest project, again, always picking really hard things, yeah. is <laughs> anticipating that one day we will have a safe and effective COVID-19 vaccine. So we are looking at how do we optimize the vaccination rates um, so that when that time comes, the people from the funders to the providers to people in the field, they will be more effective and efficient in getting people vaccinated so we can see each other and give hugs and have in-class instruction and go to worship services and gatherings and all of those things. So we just feel like this is our part. Yes, with screen time and with climate, but now with the vaccination challenge to contribute what we can and move those challenging projects forward. Yeah, uh, especially obviously with a vaccination one, dealing with something that you don't actually know how it's going to be yet either. Yeah. Uh, that must be a, a fascinating play of how are we going to help people 
design best behavior um, and live that out, even though we don't quite know exactly how it's working, but I love that somebody's already coming or yeah, any of those things, but you know, just so on, and it's, it's, and so I'm just rewriting that public facing page. So you haven't seen that part yet. It's like, here's the assumption. One day we will have a safe and effective vaccine. Let's just assume that. So boom, given that assumption, how do we optimize the programs to help people get vaccinated so we can move beyond and I don't want to say reclaim our old lives, but then reinvent ourselves in ways where we can have these rich personal interactions with each other. We can engage in normal kind of commerce and so on, just um, because I think the sooner we get there, the, you know, so much stress has been created by this and so much loneliness and so many problems for kids as well, at least in the US with the distance learning, it's just not the same. So we wanna, and again, it goes back to my feeling of, this isn't just nice to do, this is an obligation we have to contribute uh, however we can to these challenging, problems yeah well we so appreciate the work that you are doing with your, your team and the lab and and sharing tonight as well uh, and we know it's going to help uh, a whole lot of people it certainly uh, inspired me as i've been having a chat with you bj and, and we thank you again for your time thanks clayton bj fogg is my special guest here on in the community conversation here on 89.9 delight he is the author of tiny habits <laughs>